Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and Psychotic September or Hanno Lecture in September. To kick this off I'm looking at Michael Mann's Manhunter which is based off Thomas Harris's book Red Dragon. Why is this called Red Dragon then I hear you ask? Well infamous movie producer Dale De Laurentiis, think Roger Cohen but Italian had a movie out the year earlier with Dragon in the title that tanked so he changed it to Manhunter. This ever also tanks with your logic there mate. Hmm. I want to say this up front, I am a huge fan of the Hannibal TV show, which is now sadly cancelled for being too smart and too intellectual, yet utter trash that came up the Kardashians is still on the air, no wonder this fucking society is going to hell in a handbasket. I also want to say, I am fascinated by serial killers such as Bundy, Gacy, Dalmer and Gein, etc. That may sound weird to you, and no, I am not crazy, but remember, we all go a little crazy sometimes. Anthony Perkins in Psycho 1960 a movie series I covered last September, check my archives. As quoted by Billy Loomis in Scream, a movie I covered last year also, check my archives yet again. I think my fascination is how can these guys do this yet sleep at night? Why they do it in the first place? And what finally snapped on the head to spot this off? Anyway, enough chit chat about real life serial killers, time to look at movie ones. And no, I will not be reviewing the books, I will only be doing the movies as this is a movie podcast. Starring William Peterson, Joan Allen, Tom Noonan and Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter with a K for some stupid reason. Directed by Michael Mann. The plot, burned out FBI profiler Will Graham, is brought back out of retirement to track down serial killer quote the Tooth Fairy with help from Dr Lecter. Can he find and stop the killer before he snaps mentally or the killer kills again in 30 days? The movie opens up with the Delorentis logo, almost a sign of quality, think Canon Films. And note, this is the first time I'm watching this movie from start to finish. The movie then shows someone going up a flight of stairs in the dark with only a torchlight to guide him through the house. It then shows a woman in bed getting woken up by the torchlight and this is very much like a stalker from the 70s that would break into people's houses at night and watch them sleep then tickle their feet and either slit their throats or just run into the darkness. When a person awoke up, comes the neon green titles Manhunter. It then shows a crisp, clear, sunny blue sky and pans down to an introduction to Will Graham, played by William Peterson of CSI fame. As he sits next to him on a piece of driftwood is Jack Crawford, played by Dennis Ferrara of Law and Order fame. And he's pissed at Will for not calling him over the rash of murders in the media done by the quote Tooth Fairy. He then slips in photos and pleads for help. Will Graham has a gift to see through the eyes of a serial killer and think they do too. However, he can lose himself in the work if he is not too careful and that is indeed what happened to him. So he's now retired for his own mental health sake. After looking at the photos of the families which were slaughtered by the killer and as his wife Molly, played by Kim Greist of Brazil fame and his son Kevin, played by David Seaman, walks up to the beach to greet them by the way the wife's hair here is very glowing close and full of attraction Will says he'll think about taking on the case It then shows Will fixing some sort of cage for turtles with his son as synth music plays and this is all very 1980s the fashion, the technology, the hair and in fact, Michael Mann was credited with this hideous large shoulder pads and extreme neon look of most of the 80s. In the house, Molly chastises Crawford for asking Will for help, saying he is not mentally capable for this job. Later at night, as the moonlight bounces off the ocean, turning her bedroom blue, Will and Molly discuss the case with Will saying he won't get too involved and the police will have to catch and arrest the killer, then embrace. 
It then cuts to an Atlanta suburb house late at night where a cop car pulls up to drop Will off and note this cop that drops Will off is Marshall Bell of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Total Recall as well as many more movies and TV shows. With that, Will enters the house alone with his trusty dictaphone and camera. As Will walks through the home, the camera moves along with him showing weird and wonderful angles as he walks from room to room finding blood patterns on the carpet until he finally enters the master bedroom, finding the scene of the crime with blood splattered on the walls and a mirror smashed to pieces. He starts talking into his dictaphone about what the killer did and also stating the killer left saliva on a glass door and blonde hair in the kitchen. With that, he walks into the bathroom to take his meds after he has a slight panic attack. Cut to Will taking a glass elevator or lift and fuck that because it's on the 23rd floor. Why the fuck would you have a glass elevator going up to 25 floors? To his hotel room, in which he watches the home videos of the families transferred onto VHS tapes as he talks in the dictaphone that the mother of the family had mirror shards placed in her eyes after death. Once he killed the children, he also seemed puzzled as to what made the blood splatter on the east wall of the master bedroom and why he waited five full minutes to mutilate the wife's dead body. Simple. He was chasing the family dog around, then killed it on a wall and disposed of the body. After watching some more of the tapes, he suddenly realises the killer touched the wife with his bare hands, as there was a trace amount of talcum powder on her, yet none in any of the bathrooms. So excited he calls Jack to get him to dust her for prints. So wait, they know the killer has blonde hair, is a size 12 shoe, is 150 pounds, has A negative blood, and is over six feet tall, and now they have their fingerprints, yet it takes them weeks to track him down. No one of so many serial killers in the 60s, 70s, 80s in America. This is fucking ridiculous. Onto a forensic dentist showing what the killer's teeth look like from the bite marks left on his victims. And God, this guy is sloppy. First leaving hair and saliva, now bite marks and fingerprints. He looks as if he's begging to be caught. The captain then scolds the men for labelling the killer this tooth fairy, but it's just laughed off. The captain grills Will on Lecter saying he caught him only after Lecter cut him up pretty badly. So the fingerprint specialist calls to tell Jack they found a thumbprint on one of the kids' eyeballs and a palm print on one of the mother's feet. Outside the police station, Will is bugged by reporter Freddie Lowndes, played by Stephen Lang of Avatar fame, for a quote, so Will throws him over the top of a car, smashing the windshield of the car and just walks off. It turns out Lowndes snuck into the hospital and took pictures of Will lying in hospital bed with his colostomy bag as he was recovering from the Lecter attack. So it's good to show he's a slimy bastard now. Will tells Jack he's going to see Lecter and cut to Lecter's jail cell and a white room where we meet Dr. Hannibal Lecter, Mark One, Played by Brian Cox, no not the physicist but the actor, star of X-Men 2, Born Movies and Braveheart. And note the colour schemes throughout this movie, blue being love and peace, white meaning clinical and dangerous, green meaning lust, and grey meaning unseen danger. Selector taunts Will as he lies with his back to him on his white bed. Will fires back, saying the reason why he caught him is because he's a lunatic. To see, this selector is very calm and soft-spoken, much like a real serial killer, and not the wide-eyed and manic one like Hopkins did in later movies. Will asks Lecter for help on tracking down the quote Tooth Fairy. Will asks Lecter for help in tracking down the Tooth Fairy, telling Lecter this is a test to see how intelligent he actually is. Lecter asks to see the files, but Will refuses until Lecter taunts him one more time, so Will hands him over the files as you do. As Lecter reads the papers, the camera pans over to the jail cell to Lecter's 
books as Will just stares blankly into mid-space and according to the filmographer these books were actually in the set themselves but it's all in, in a jail cell or other themselves it's all in Will's mind apparently but moving on Lictor finally pipes up the killer is a shy person and something about naked moonwalks I swear to god the DVD I have is utterly terrible the sound quality is fucking ridiculous and I could barely make it into the dialogue in this movie and it has no bloody subtitles Lictor then asks to keep the files and have Will's home phone number and address, which Will refuses and freaks out and indeed runs out to the cell and the prison. And note, the prison was actually the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. Also note, these scenes between Lictor and Graham were 18 takes in. Running out of the prison, Will has a panic attack before he stares at the fake grass to calm himself down. All the while, Lowndes is taking pictures of him, which are then splashed over the papers. So I'm just giving a walk out of the bloody press then. Cut to Lecter, a few days later, getting a call from his lawyer, during which he somehow manages to rewire the telephone, which has no front panel, with chewing gum wrapper, to call Dr. Sidney Bloom, put by Paul Prey. However, he's not in, so Lecter tricks his assistant into giving him Will's home address and telephone number. Cut to Will on a plane, as he dreams about his wife while having the crime photos on his lap, which freaks out a little girl. And note, this was a real plane and real flight, in which man bribed the crew with jackets and posters in order to fill on board due to not getting from permission. Once in Birmingham, Alabama, Will checks out the house of the first victims, not three months earlier, yet the house is up for sale, and how the hell is that? This is an act of crime. It then shows Will scoping up the house from the woods, during which he finds a marshmallow wrapper, so scales a tree and finds some sort of symbol engraved into the tree, as well as a freshly cut branch. He then talks to himself, saying the killer watched him all day until nightfall to kill them. He also needs cover, hence why the victims' houses all had woods around them or near them. Later that night, the FBI are crawling around the house, as well as on the phone with Crawford, who tells him he is in the papers. Cut to Dr. Chilton, played by Benjamin Henriksen, of How the World Turns. Uh, being handed a note found in Lecter's cell by a prison guard. He calls Crawford to tell him Lecter got a note from the Tooth Fairy thanking him for taking an interest in him and how annoyed he is that the press called him the Tooth Fairy Killer. Still could be worse. It could be the BTK Killer, which this movie is based off of. Will asked the note to be replaced in Lecter's cell after it's been photocopied and sent to him. So in his office, Crawford springs his team into action over this note as he is less than three hours before Lecter gets suspicious. And I love how 80s Crawford offered is with the weird cream-coloured wallpaper that's just torn off the wall and a cube ashtray which the camera sits on for a good 30 or so seconds. Will was flown in via helicopter to Atlanta to see the note and QCSI stuff during which a hair is found on the note. Also the note is taken to the dark room with a laser firing blue light and a technician finds a fingerprint on a note which is written in Luro. That's 1980s single ply scratchy toilet paper. More CSI stuff as the note is taken into the ultraviolet light room where the technician finds letters written in felt tip and not ballpoint which the note is written in. We find out it's the name of the newspaper that Freddie Lowndes works for, the Daily Tattler. Will somehow jumps to the conclusion that this is a personal ad. 
So Crawford comes up with a plan to swap Lecter's ad with one of his own in order to set a trap for the Tooth Fairy and spot Dan Butler of Fraser fame playing Jimmy Price, the fingerprint expert, during the round table discussion. Also, Chris Elliott as a technician, star of The Hormone and Shit Creek. Just then, the paper editor calls in with Lecter's ad and it's Bible verses but not real Bible verses, so they have no choice but to print the ad as is. Will just says, run the ad as is, and the next time he'll be giving himself up as bait. This sends off warning bells to Dr. Bloom, saying Will is in too deep and indeed is mentally unstable. Crawford then tells Will they've struck out on the fingerprints, so Will wants to be interviewed by Lowndes, and cut to Freddie Lowndes interviewing both Will and Dr. Bloom, telling Lowndes the killer interfered with the dead husband's bodies. This is a lie, in the hope of pissing off the killer to get him to arise out of him, basically. The lab technicians find out the symbol carved into tree means red dragon. Will is handed a special quote one-shot kill bullets for his gun outside the newspaper office as him and an FBI agent walk around the premises for some reason. That night, in his Washington hotel room with his wife, we see Will standing naked in the window as the glass reflects his scar left by Lecter's knife. It's pretty much from his pubic bone to his lower ribcage in a C-section going from right to left. She walks over to him and wraps him in a blanket, asking how the case is going, he refuses to answer, so the two talk about the good times and then kiss. Later that night, it shows Will walking alone to the square with the walked earlier in the afternoon. As in the shadows, Crawford and his men lie in wait. A man in a black tracksuit and hoodie runs at Will, so he spears him and the trap is sprung, but it turns out this is just some guy running at 4 or 3 or 4 in the morning. Why is he running so late? Cut to Lowndes being captured by the killer, then he is woken up taped to a wheelchair in the killer's home and note yellow light meaning a rage. As he's asked questions and the killer demands him open his eyes but Freddy Lowndes is such a fucking coward he sits with his eyes glued shut. And it's here when introduced to the killer Francis Dollarhide aka the Tooth Fairy aka Red Dragon played by Tom Noonan star of Heat, Last Action Hero and the 12 Angus TV show as well as dozens of others. He has a pair of tights that's pantyhose to American listeners on his head and he's standing like Jesus with a hideous light shade behind him as his halo and this light shade was supposed to be the Spudnik satellite because apparently this guy's big into space. He then shows Lowndes slides of the red dragon painting and pictures of his victims asking do you see as they flash up on screen. So after saying these Lowndes begs for his life so Dollarhead gets him to read a note which he records using a dictaphone. Dollarhead walks over to the fireplace and puts in his false teeth and bites Lowndes' cheeks, I think it was, or his lips or his nose, but his face anyway. Early the next morning, at the newspaper car park, Lowndes' body is pushed down the exit ramp, super glued to the wheelchair, and set alight. Cut to a hospital where Crawford tells Will they cracked Lecter's coat and it's Will's home address, and Lowndes is long dead. That night in Florida, in Will's house, his son wakes up his mother to tell her her someone is outside the house, so she investigates unarmed, finding the house surrounded by police. She's told to go back to her bed. The next day, Will's family is taken into protective custody. With that, Will takes his son shopping for food to tell him everything is okay, because it turns out the son doesn't trust the father because he found out what happened to him after Lecter attacked. He then tells him what happened after Lecter attacked him. He was placed in a mental institute, but he is okay now. We also hear how he caught Lecter and how he was attacked, and just like that, the kid's okay with it. Okay then, this little boy should have been fired. This guy's a fucking terrible actor. 
he's supposed to be 10 years old and he's been told off his father not only was he, was he attacked by a serial killer and left for dead but he was in a mental institute for several years and he seems to be fighting for asking what's that coffee do you want daddy fuck off rehire that little shit that night while sitting by a dock will's wife asks him to quit the case but he says he can't as the next moon is in less than seven days and by the way the killer is on a lunar cycle i.e he can only kill every full moon he tells her he's going back to Atlanta to finish this once for all and tells her to take the kid to Montana with her to her dad's. That night, while standing in a cafe with the rain pours down and hits off the glass, Will talks his reflection and are we sure this guy's sane? Cut to Dollarhide at his work, which I'm guessing is in some sort of lab because it doesn't actually tell you. He talks to his co-worker about a special camera he needs in four days time to take quote, pictures of nocturnal animals. Mm. The co-worker is Reba McLean, played by Joan Allen, star of Face Off and the Bourne movies, and she's a blind photo technician. I should say, Dollarhide has a cleft lip and tells her she, he feels self-conscious about his looks. He asks her if he can drive her home after her ride bails on her. She, however, refuses, so he asks her again with more force, and again she refuses. He then asks her one final time, and she finally says yes. She tells him she used to work with children with speech problems. She tells him she used to work with children with speech problems, and she can tell he has something wrong with his mouth. She then asks if she can feel his face, and he blankly refuses. He takes her on a date, and this is the first time they've ever spoken, yet they're on a date. Ooh, get in. On this date... He takes her to a vet's where a tiger is lying sedated on a table as she feels it over and note this was a real tiger and indeed a real veterinarian. As she does this dolly just stands there stares at her blankly in the corner. Get in. While this is happening Will is sitting in the impound locker room piecing together why the killer places mirror shards in his victim's eyes talking to himself yet again and cut to a print of the red dragon hanging in Dollarhide's home, along with dozens of pictures of the full moon. Dollarhide has taken Reba home with him, and he's watching the home movies of his next victims on his projector with the sound off. Note, Tom Noonan spent no time with the rest of the cast, and this placed a wall up between him and the others, which he used in a Dollarhide performance. As Dollarhide watches the family's home videos, he perves over Reba's body. And suddenly she jumps on him and god she is fucking easy as they have sex in the bedroom. Later that night in his bedroom Dollarhide lies awake as Reba cuddles in as the camera pans up and we see grey wallpaper. And note this scene was shot twice because the first time Noonan was in a full body tattoo of the red dragon which took over 7 hours to apply. However, Mann thought this was too on the nose and had it reshot weeks later, much to the annoyance of the cinematographer. The next morning, Dollhide wakes up to find Reba missing, so runs outside to find her standing on a dock as the sun rises. Cut to Will alone in his hotel room, calling Lecter, which he does as Lecter just lies on his bed with his feet on a wall and taunts Will over the phone about killing people and how the more people you kill, the more you feel closer to God. Or more of a God, rather. This sits off Will thinking about why the Tooth Fairy kills as back in Atlanta home he pieces it all together. Walking around the house he's talking to himself he walks into the master bedroom seeing the mother with mirror eyes and mouth. So that night outside Reba's house Dollarhide sees her coming home with a date this sparks off his jealous side and she's now a target and not his girlfriend. Because apparently she's the perfect woman for him because she's blind and doesn't care about these clips. Well, 
his lip. Anyway, moving on. He rips off the vinyl covering on his van's dashboard in a fit of rage, and then goes and kills the man shooting him several times with a silenced pistol. He then enters River's house and kidnaps her, and cut to a hotel room where Will tells Crawford why the two fairies doing this, because he wants to become a god. While watching the two families' home videos, Will comes to the realisation that the killer works in transferring home videos to VHS tapes, and that's how he picks his victims, and that's how he knows the lights of all the houses. He also kills the family pets. Oh, no fucking shit. It's here. Will final pieces it all together, and we get Dollar Hyde's name. So, like that, they fly from Washington to St. Louis on a Learjet. At Dollar Hyde's home, we see he's kidnapped Reba, yet she's fully able to walk around, and he's using loud music to mask his footsteps as he just stalks Reba around the room. As on the jet, over the phone, Will tells a cop the names of all the male employees of the video lab and spot Frankie Faison as the cop, the only actor to appear in all of these Hannibal Lecter movies. Finally, they get to Dollhouse's address. Once landing, Will runs out of the jet to a squad car to the address. Meanwhile, in his house, Dollhouse smashes a mirror and takes the shards with him to attack Reba with them. In the squad car, Will loads his gun with his special bullets. Arriving at Dollhouse's house, Will rushes in with no backup, goes around the back of the house where he sees Reba struggling with Dollhouse and he jumps through the glass kitchen wall to save her. Unfortunately, Dollhide catches him in midair and slashes at Will's face using a piece of the mirror and then just tosses him into the fridge breaking bottles of ketchup. And note, William Peterson had a piece of glass stuck in his thigh that required multiple stitches. With that, Reba crawls off as Dollhide goes for a pump action shotgun which he shoots the lights out in the kitchen with after stalking Reba. He blows away a cop that kicked in the door and his partner who gets a shot off first hitting Dollhide in the chest. He then shoots at Crawford and goes into the kitchen where Will fills him with his magical bullets. And note, the crew left Noonan lying in the fake blood so long he stuck to the bloody floor. As the blood drains from his wounds, Dollhide's blood makes wings and he's now transformed into the Red Dragon. With the music finished, sirens scream into the night, the cops show up just as Will leaves the house with Reba. The two cuddle and Will returns home to be with his family. As an 80s power ballad plays, they cuddle as they watch the sea come in, as credits roll. So, that was Manhunter, a very 80s police procedural, with Harry Walter sandwiched in it. Overall, a pretty dull thriller, but it was the start of these movies, so I'm going to give this thing a lackluster par 5 out of 10. Come back next week for Silence of the Lambs, and the rest of the month for the rest of the franchise. October is Halloween, my look at the first three Hellraiser movies. November is bad video game movies such as Mario Bros and Street Fighter. December is festive funnies such as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And January is John Camter movies such as The Fog and The Thing. So don't forget to leave a like and follow and comment on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pods for updates on the movies I will be covering. Email me with suggestions to here'sjourneysreviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcasts of Mad Max, Star Wars, The Omen, Resident Evil and many more. Also, check out my solo podcasts of Aliens, Scream 2, Die Hard, Batman Returns and many, many more. And a bye!